Let me know if you get a notification saying you're recording. Yeah, it says Anthony's recording the call. All right, we're here, my friend. So as far as I know, we're good to go. Dope. Back in the dojo. Hell yeah, Andrew. Um, First, let me say thanks for coming on, bro. Hey, for sure, man. Appreciate the opportunity. Stoked to uh, chat it up, talk some skate. Yeah, I actually was starting this one off by uh, watching the early days lost part that you put up on YouTube not that long ago, man. Um, what's all this footage from? Like, what's the timeline with all this? So I think it's like a four-year period from 2003, like right before I graduated high school until about 2006, almost 2007. Maybe there might be a clip or two in there. And and uh, it was supposed to be two separate parts that I was filming, one for my shop sponsor, Shout Out Pharmacy Board Shop. Oh, yeah, hell yeah. I know we talked about that before. They were, like, one of the first supporters of your skating. Yeah, yeah, they're actually a huge part of the skate life story for me, for sure. My little journey from where I'm from, um, Indiana, out here to the West Coast when I was a youngster. And then uh, kind of been back, back and forth, bouncing around a bunch. How old but, are um, you? I know you mentioned this before, but how old were you when you first got your board? Uh, first actual skateboard, probably 11. But Damn. skateboarding kind of has been like a part of my life somehow, almost my whole life. I, uh, I kind of like to romanticize the idea, I guess a little bit, maybe because it's my favorite pastime. But I kind of think, um, I kind of think skateboarding found me in a way. Yeah, I think just from meeting you, like, throughout the years and keeping in touch and talking and stuff, I could tell you're someone that's like, like, I feel weird with how much I give credit to skateboarding and like skateboarding. And you remind me of myself. <laughs> well, I think that's kind of why we relate so much. We kind of got maybe, like, some similar background history with, like, family issues and moving around a bunch and skateboarding kind of being the thing that really kept you level-headed and focused and, I don't know, maybe got you in a little bit of trouble, but for the most part probably kept you out of a lot of trouble. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And the trouble that it did get me into was, like... Good life lessons. Yeah, like, you needed something to get you out of just, like, not living life. So skateboarding got you into a little little bit of trouble and you worked your way out, you know? It's kind of like dipping your toes in the water and seeing how cold it is and how many sharks are in there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In a sense. Metaphorically. Um, so what do your parents do? Like, coming up, what was your household like? Um, so, like, I had a pretty normal childhood growing up, and then it was probably towards, like, my teenage years where shit got weird. My parents, they kind of never really were together. They split up when I was, like, one years old, but, uh, it's because they were just too young when they had me. Some, some real little kids, basically having kids. Mom's was 15. Dad was almost 18. So, I kind of tell everybody that I was raised by a tribe <laughs> in the sense that like I spent more time probably with my aunts and my uncles and my grandparents than I did probably with my own parents as I was a kid growing up for the most part and then like my parents friends would babysit me because either they had kids that I was friends with or just for circumstantial reasons and so then this, uh is this why you're bouncing around because your parents split up and you're just going back and forth yeah i was going back and forth like dad kind of always held the job down but maybe mom struggled a little bit more so she 
bounced around a lot. Um, and she, when she split up with my father, she met another guy that is the father of my little brother and my little sister. Nice. So I kind of always grew up with like step parents too, for like chunks of my life, depending on like my parents' situation with whoever they were with. Sometimes, so, that like, can be, uh, sometimes that can be good and bad, you know? Especially yeah, if- part of it was good because it kind of added like a little bit more of a family vibe in certain chapters of life. And then other times it was like, I could probably deal without all this extra stuff that maybe like the situation or the circumstance brings to you. I don't want to sound too negative about it because it is my history and my story, but I don't know. Maybe Maybe some things could have played out a little different. No, yeah, I mean, such is life, you know, like, no life is perfect, no upbringing is perfect, so it's just, like, the way you internalize your upbringing, and if you turn it into a positive is how it works, you know, and it's never anyone's fault, like, there's no handbook to life, you know? No, I definitely am not bummed, I mean, I was actually really stoked compared to a bunch of the kids that I grew up with my friends, because my parents were so young that it was easier to be relatable on a lot of shit. Yeah. And maybe they were probably a lot more lenient on me about certain aspects of me growing up and like learning responsibility or like accountability, that kind of thing. Maybe they would would not be so judgmental or harsh in the process of learning just because, I don't know, they're still learning too. Yeah, like they're still young and they're going through it. So they're not such dinosaurs that they forgot that they were 10 at one point or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, I like that term (laughs) dinosaur. That's one of my favorites to refer to, like the elderly crowd. <laughs> yeah, people forget. They get prehistoric. They've been here for so long, they forget. Like they find what works and they hang on to it for dear life, and then they just turn they into don't dinosaurs. Realize, they don't realize maybe the rest of everything else is evolving, and they're stuck in the Jurassic Age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure, there's people out there, man. <laughs> it's cool though. We'll be dinosaurs one day, if we're lucky. Uh, yeah, true. Cross your fingers. I'm not going to hang on, though. I'm just going to let it all go towards the end. Yeah. (laughs) I feel feel like we spend our lives, like, trying to figure out what we believe and uh, working on things and trying to figure out ways to monetize our lives so we can enjoy it. And then, like, as you get older, like, if you actually figure that out, those things help you carry you through. But then at the end, you're leaving. And you're, if you're, say, you get to be 70 or 80, like you're leaving so those things all your beliefs and ideas that that help form you and carry you through you're leaving so you got to kind of let them all go and just go you know like people hang on to them to the bitter end like because i've keeps heard you grounded. talk about that before a little bit where it's like every once in a while you kind of got to face yourself in the mirror and reevaluate your pre-assumptions about reality and alter them more to your new newfound perspective because yeah. Being so set in your ways one way or the other is really going to basically create your own rut for you and hold you back if you can't figure out how to have more than just one perspective about multiple things. Yeah, it's rented time, too, kind of what I was getting at, too, is it's just like, it's your time for now. It's your time for now, but at the end, you got to let it all go. Like, all these beliefs and ideas, like... You got to let them go. Maybe I think that because I don't have kids. But if I had kids, maybe you'd want to pass your ideas and beliefs on to them. And then they would like maybe update them and move them forward into space and time, you know? Yeah, I definitely think I'd have a different frame of perspective if I had some little ones to look after. But 
it's it's definitely a different school of thought probably when you step into that realm i see how it's changed a lot of my friends yeah it's it's so conflicting for me because like i love all my friends and i love their kids but they never skate anymore (laughs) see that's my whole hang up that's kind of i've decided to take the path through life and make the decisions i have just so i can have more freedom like I don't see myself having kids in the future. I don't think that that's something that I look forward to doing or even really want to volunteer to do. Probably has a lot to do with the history of how I grew up, though. I think a lot of how a person becomes as they age has a lot to do with how they start. Yeah. The little bit of adversity or lack of adversity they go through, why they change growing up, I think that has a lot to do with your, your trajectory wherever you're going to take yourself. So moving into skateboarding, where was the spark? What initially got you into it? What drew you to it? And why do you, what kept you going with it? See, that's what I was saying about the whole romanticizing it. I think it's kind of found me because it it always was around as far as like all of my favorite stuff that I can remember from like cartoons to TV shows to like just paying attention to the random kid you see driving down the street while you're, riding in the car with one of your parents um one of my first memories though is i brought this up to you last time um jeff phillips skate tv was a television show on mtv when they actually used to play like music videos and like weird obscure underground cartoons and stuff and uh one of my first memories of skateboarding is actually associated with one of my first memories of pain so i used to get babysat because my mom probably hustling multiple jobs at the time so i did spend a lot of time at this lady's house and she had a bunch of other little kids but they were older than me so i tend to just like spend more time watching cartoons probably and um i remember like being a little kid remember how you had to sit super close to the tv for some reason like you just had to be in there as close as you could to like absorb it (laughs) The hype so was so real. The hype was so real. You just wanted to keep getting in, like closer. Yeah, like almost like you just had to be a part of it in one way or another. But uh, <laughs> I was sitting super close, and I remember like trying to get comfortable, and I'm leaning back, and I stick my hands on the carpet, and coincidentally, as I lean back, a bee flies and lands right where I'm gonna put my hand, and I stuck my hand on the bee, and the bee stung me, and I'd never like registered in my brain like what pain was from what I remember at that point. And I just think it's weird and synonymous that, uh, like, my first memory of pain and one of my first memories of skateboarding are, like, they coincide. Because to me, I don't know, at times, skateboarding is a pretty masochistic thing if you pursue it long enough. Because, I don't know, most people tend to give up because it hurts. Or it's it definitely, hard. It definitely can, yeah. And I totally agree, man. People, I teach skateboard lessons a lot, and a lot of those kids get into it, and they're having fun, learn to balance, and then they take that one slam. Which that we one all slam know. or that one, like, really epic shinner or, like, <laughs> that one crazy hipper that turns your hip purple or something. And, and there's just, like, a point. Out. Yeah, there's just a point where they have to make a decision and because they, they realize exactly what you're saying is that there's a level of pain that you almost have to accept because you're – you're assess- assessing risks so much and pushing it, even when you're just riding a board, you know, once it gets to tricks, it's like anything could happen. You could roll your ankle on something basic, you know? So, like, there's definitely a certain level where some kids just bow out because they're like, yo, I don't want to feel that again, you know? <laughs> they can't handle the level of torture. Maybe it 
like maybe that it might take them personally to achieve a certain level they thought they were going to meet or whatever. Because I think everybody comes into it thinking certain expectations because they see others yeah. progress at a certain rate, maybe. I saw that a lot in a multiple different groups of friends that I had. People just tap out quick because their expectations were pretty high. Yeah, yeah. There's the opposite, too, is like people get into it like first person comes to mind is Ragdoll, where they just want to body themselves. They're punishing hey, themselves because they That's a good it. reference. <laughs> Nobody jumps down that kind of stuff and has that approach in slip-ons, especially at that time. Fear torture. It's like, let's hop down mountains in cardboard shoes. I didn't even think that he would he I knew he had slip-ons but it never registered to me like how much more brutal he he was. That was one of the things that always stood out to me about his skating is the slip-ons and then just the the bag of tricks. The trick selection was unorthodox to say the least. Yeah, definitely a legend. I don't, I don't mean to I'm not clowning by any means. Oh, no, 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 no. I get you. I get you for sure. I've actually met that dude once. He's really fucking cool. He seems like he would be. Seems like you could have a beer with him and hang out, you know? Yeah, for sure. He'd pretty sure be a dude to have a beer with. <laughs> um, okay, to shift back to skating, like, um, you started at 11. When did you feel like you were able to, like, get control? Because I know there's a point in skating. At least for me, there was a point where, like, I was learning so much in the very beginning, trying to figure it out. There was so much. And then I started seeing things come together. And then... I remember there was a point where I've learned enough and my confidence in certain things aligned that I felt like I could start progressing and pushing it and maybe doing stuff that wasn't being done or do stuff that was being done, but gnarly or longer or something different. Like what age did that, did you, did you have an experience like that? And if so, what age? I think probably like the first year to a year and a half, maybe even up into two years, I really didn't have any friends or anybody I rode skateboards with. And I think it had to do with, my living dynamic with bouncing back and forth from my mom's to my dad's being a kid growing up I never had like a set set of friends I just had friends they either lived in the neighborhood where one of my parents stayed or I had like one or two best friends growing up that I always kept in contact with but those dudes didn't even skate I tried to get them into it but it goes back to the conversation we had before that it's short-lived for most people they think it's really cool and it's a dope lifestyle and the clothing and the shoes and all that, but the rest of it that goes with it, it's like work for people, I believe. Yeah, for some people, for sure, they they get in and they're like, yeah, it's not the the fruit's not worth it, you know? Like yeah, the juice ain't worth the squeeze, homie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> for sure. Um, well, um, but like as far as goes, like progression. Like your personal progression with tricks, because I know in the beginning you're just learning them. And do you remember what age where you felt like you had control over it, like where you could push it? I remember it took me two years to learn how to do a flat ground kick. But I used to just take like three pushes and smash because I thought if you went a little faster, it'd make it easier. And I just do these crazy bicycle rocket kick mob ass kickflip things and try to huck and land on them. And I remember getting super broke and having a really bad hipper for like a couple months trying to do it like that because <laughs> yeah. I didn't have any reference or any examples. I hadn't found any skate videos yet either. I just had like somehow I figured out what a kickflip was. You know, it's you hear people say drive down the road, 
skate or die, do a kickflip, like that kind of corny thing. Like growing up in the Midwest, I heard a lot of corny stuff skating on the street. No, yeah, we get it. Tony Hawk, X Games, fucking yeah. kickflip. <laughs> that was what the kids loved to call me in school. Tony Hawk. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, I forgot. I always associate you with California, but I forget that you're from. Is it it's kinda, Midwest? Yeah, Midwest, Indiana. I was born in a little town called Elkhart. It's about a half hour away from South Bend, which is the home of Notre Dame. Nice. So, I don't know, it's kind of like I'm from Michigan, but not. I grew up like five or ten minutes away from the border, so parts of it's got skate spots and like city and stuff, and then other parts of it, it's like super rural, and there's basically just cornfields everywhere. So, technically, I'm just a skate rat from the cornfields, but... I did have the the advantage to move out here in probably like the most developmental years of my skateboarding. What I got to link up with like a group of really unique kids that I think are a huge reason why I ever went so far down the rabbit hole of skateboarding more than I already was so. What age did you move to Cali? Um, 15. I moved out here with my dad and his girlfriend at the time so he could pursue music school. He went to MIT in Hollywood. We were, we were supposed to originally move to Hollywood, but we showed up with like a U-Haul full of all our stuff and crashed in this hotel for about a week. And when he was getting registered within school and talking to everybody, he kind of came across. He figured out how ghetto Hollywood was. So he decided like, nah, I'm not going to I'm not going to put you in school here and have you grow up like <laughs> in your most influential time. So. To save some cash, we ended up moving to the desert. Um, it's called the Antelope Valley, the high desert, Palmdale and Lancaster, which is how it ties all into pharmacy board shop and how the journey of like the whole desert adventure on that 10 minute part that you were you were checking out just now. That's from all that time period from um, right before I graduated high school until probably like uh, six months before I moved out of there to Orange County. Dude, there's something special about the desert. I love the desert. I do, too. And um, I met more unique, really cool, humble people out there, I think, than I have really so far anywhere in California. Maybe because I spent the most time there, but uh, it's just something about the people. It's a really cool community. They're there. <laughs> Maybe it's because yeah. there's less going on, too, so the people want to be more tied together. They want to have more of like a community community vibe going on versus maybe where you live in the city people are too busy it's too hectic they don't have time for most of that yeah that's what it seems to me there's definitely more space in the desert for sure which is oh, yeah. which is a pri- which is a nice privilege that and it gets really fucking hot which the heat does weird things to people for sure like you go out to arizona everyone's a little different one of my favorite skaters from there, John Mata. Actually, a couple. Aaron Susky, too. Tucson. But John John Mata, he's just, like, such an eccentric person. And he's from the desert. And I think it's because he's been baked by the sun. <laughs> yeah, the sun probably fries you to an extent mentally. Yeah, in the, in the best way with him, for sure. Yeah, for sure. He started a supplement company, right? Yeah. Roar Life. R-A-R-R. Roar, like roar. I think I watched some small documentary on them. He had uh, some sort of mental condition, I think, and he decided to stop taking all of his meds and seek out like a more natural, holistic route. He called it the mania. The mania came, took him over, (laughs) and then uh, that sounds like that sounds like in the midst of uh, 
filming a trick that's scary for yourself and you're back there talking to yourself. <laughs> yeah, you're like fighting your inner demons. <laughs> yeah. Especially in the desert. Especially in the desert when it's hot and you're like, you feel like you're, I, we named our video for all I need. Uh, our second video was called In the Trenches. Cause like I when like you're that. trying to, tr- when you're trying to trick and you're just, you feel like you're in the trenches of like army warfare. Cause you're soaked from head to toe. You're beaten up. You're bloody. Like you're scared. Cause you're trying something that like you're your usually legs scared. are shaking. You yeah. can't keep your eyes open cause you're sweating so hard and it's burning like hell. Yeah. <laughs> you just need some grenades lobbed in there to make it even extra special. I even tie the filmer into like, in the trenches too because he's the one out there getting melted in the sun or like getting smacked in the head because he wants this specific fisheye angle for the handrail trick or and you know you name it yeah he's taking his lumps for the for the deal too he's in it is just as much because he's get he gets the mental warfare too because they're trying to encourage you and they're part of it filming and you're like feel sometimes you feel bad like i always people always apologize to their filmers and shit like that like remember back when there was I just caught myself doing it a bunch Oh, I always really? like to just in the middle of shit. Like, I always thank whoever I'm filming with. I'm like, dude, thanks for your patience. Yeah. Shouldn't take this long, but we're here. <laughs> Welcome to my hell. <laughs> We've been here. For sure. Me, me, do you remember when there was just like shooting photos with sequence with the sequences with film? That was the worst. I would see like... when we'd like we used to skate this one spot in the valley. Those like blue, blue nine stale rails that are real steep that everyone used to skate. I know those. And we used to go to this school a bunch, like, every weekend for probably, like, six months to a year. This whole crew of dudes I grew up skating with. What's the school called? Silmar? Yeah, Silmar High. And I'd seen that before where, like, I don't know, name any random am or pro at the time. And they're shooting a photo with somebody. And you'd see how many tries they'd taken because the photographer would have all the rolls just out all over the wall right next to the spot. And it's like, all, damn. It's like, all damn, that's too. an expensive ad you're shooting. Fuck. Cause then you gotta go. I mean, you gotta pay and develop all that shit. Hopefully, it turns out. Yeah, it was like every second was like another penny in visual form when you're not landing a trick. You're like, oh god, <laughs> that's stress. I mean, it's a little bit with like VX too, cause you gotta go buy the tapes and stuff. But like, yeah, that's true. But but photography for some reason, just like trying to shoot a sequence and piece it all together, and just the concept of frame by frame, just like. Blows my Those mind. guys are G's, man. That's original gangster shit. Dude, hell yeah. Um, I hey, I pulled up uh where you're where you're originally from, Elkhart, Indiana, on Wikipedia. Oh, sick. Um, what's kind of looking into it? It's saying is a city, Elkhart County, Indiana, United States. The city is located 15 miles east of South Bend, Indiana, 110 miles east of Chicago, Illinois. And 150 miles north of Indianapolis, Indiana. Elkhart has the largest population of the two principal cities of the Elkhart Goshen Metropolitan Statistically Statistical Area, which is in turn is part of South Bend. Combines okay, cool. Just getting into the weeds now. The population was 50,000 uh, in 2010. Oh, it's got to be bigger now. I yeah. Um, I was actually living there from 2000, the end of 2013 until um, the summer of 2017. Oh, you were back there. Yeah, I actually had to go back there for a while due to an injury I went through and a whole bunch of life circumstances that just led me back there. And I had to basically just restart. Did we talk about the injury? Yeah, we talked about the injury in the last episode. 
But um, I remember you were saying there were some audio issues. So I don't know. Maybe I go back over that again. No, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I, was, I, I remember you told me a little bit about it, but please explain it again. Um, so skip forward after Palmdale Life. I moved to Orange County in 2008. Um, moved into a skate house and bounced around to a couple different apartments with these homies I was staying with and then ended up getting this job at this 24-hour diner. This job was a blessing, and uh, what's the other word for it? Curse. And a curse, all in one. Yeah. Full, fully, fully, fully. Probably, like, the worst job I ever had in the end. <laughs> yeah. But whatever, that's the ones that teach you. So I had this job, and uh, I started out as, like, a host at this restaurant because I didn't have any, like, serving tables experience, but they told me, like, in the interview, the guy that hired me was like, hey, if you stick around for a little bit, like, we'd be willing to train you. I think that you could work out. So I ended up doing that, became a waiter, worked at this restaurant for a couple of years, but um, ended up getting kind of, like, pigeonholed to work in, like, the third shift because it's a 24-hour diner. So when you work, like, a third shift job, it totally throws your sleep schedule out of whack. Yeah. And I was trying to do too much at this time in my life i was trying to film video parts i was working this full-time job and i had gotten pretty deep into dabbling art so i would spend basically too much time working on projects and working and just not resting enough and um i had finished putting out a little video part and had started working on another one and i had this idea that i wasn't able to film working on the last project so i was like hell bent on making this happen in the beginning because i was like i just want to get this over with and one of the things was i wanted to switch all of this triple set that's uh it's in huntington out here where i live where i lived at the time too and um i had worked the third shift and then i went home and i think i might have slept four or five hours and i woke up and i had this all planned out too um you're gnarly first of I, all I went and I swooped up the homie, the filmer homie that I was hanging out with at the time. Shout out Tam Lamb. He's the, the most epic filmer. I wish that guy still films skating, but he moved on to bigger, better things. Stoked for him. But anyways, um, where I went wrong was I showed up and uh, I literally, like, I was wearing brand new everything from head to toe. Uh, from socks to the shoelaces and my shoes to my whole entire Christmas complete and uh I was cruising these bearings I'd never got a chance to skate in the uh, bone swiss before so anybody that skated those knows that like that's got the juice those things are power dude you and, had the uh, freshest setup was it because you were just feeling nice You're like I'm gonna get as crispy as possible for this I wanted point? to I wanted to come out crispy because I was like <laughs> we're gonna hit this triple set and then we're gonna link with the homies and go skate a bunch of other spots for the day and then end up at the night probably like I don't know, get some food and barbecue or something. I had a whole plan for the day. It was like my weekend, and I'd worked my ass off all week, and I was like, forget this. We're going to make this go down. I'm going to say this before you carry forward is I totally understand because I'm one who likes to skate when I'm exhausted. Like, I'll do something like that where I'll get four hours of sleep and fucking work a full job, and then you just get sparked because you're like, I did all that work, and now I was like, I'm basically dead, but my energy is going to carry me there. 
And at the time, I was sucking back energy drinks like an idiot. So I, I didn't eat any breakfast. I just slammed like one of those big old green monsters and a bunch of water, and I showed up like juiced. I was ready to smash. Well, I tried my trick on this thing. I all did it once, and then I was like, well, I never jumped down this thing switch. I gotta go like mega fast. So there's this big parking lot, and they had recently just repaved it with fresh blacktop, and it's kind of slightly downhill. So picture all that plus the new setup and the new bearings. I'm coming in smashing, you know, probably like I would picture like 20 or 25 miles an hour because I was like what I call like a football run. I'd start all the way at the corner of the parking lot and just hawk carcass as hard as I could because I can't push that coordinated that fast switch. I, I can only do it regular at that like top notch output or whatever. How tall are you? Um, almost 6'4". Yeah, I'm six four, almost two hundred pounds. So you it's got like fucking stride on you. I would, I would like to think I can get it going when I need to. <laughs> well said. <laughs> um, so like I jumped down the first thing. Regular, I all I did, I tried to switch all at once, and I kicked out, and was like, okay, all right, I could do this because I actually can go fast enough. And then literally after that, every try I committed, I landed on it. But you land into a four-way intersection, and it lands into, like, these little curb cuts where the sidewalk's designed to, like, feed you right into the street. Yeah. So you land on a little incline. So I kept slipping out on that because I couldn't figure out how to just put enough pressure forward on the front leg. And the last try, I landed, and um, somehow my back foot slipped off. The tail, because I had, like, probably gotten a little air foot or something. And with the brand new shoe, it's not quite broke in on the brand new grip tape. So, like, if it's not in a specific point, it's just going to slip. Well, I slipped. Yeah. And then because the shoe's brand new, my leg, like, drug behind me. And my the sole, the corner of the shoe, skipped off the pavement three times. And then it spiral broke my leg. The grippiness of the shoes, because they yeah, were brand so new. Yeah, so it was, and... like... It, it came through for all the other tries, but it was the air foot is what did me in. But I, I wasn't going out and not committing because every other try, I, I had it. Yeah. So, so, like, I land, I slip out. I thought I just rolled my ankle because, like, I fell all crazy. And, like, I drug my leg in front of me. And I look at it. And my foot is, like, cocked all crazy, like, 45 degrees to the side and then kicked all gnarly. And I just remember, like, shaking my head and going, that's not right. And I just grabbed it, and I yanked it back in spot. I reset it myself. And I did, yeah, when I reset it, it was, like, um, almost like my body was a piece of machinery. And I heard this crazy noise in my head, almost like a locking mechanism. Not good. When I heard, when I, I heard the sound, I had this uh, this really extreme rush of endorphins and adrenaline that hit me and it was like like blasted me off for a second almost that and the monster energy or something yeah else. that that for sure i should have never even been messing with that crap in a can but anyways um i actually got up because i thought that i had like dislocated it and I, I reset it and i got up from where i'd slipped out and i turned around and i walked back to my homie like five or six steps and he goes, dude, you okay? And I was like, yeah, I think I just really rolled the shit out of it. We yeah. should probably get going. And he's like, what? Are you sure? And I, I turned around and I went to take 
one step like towards the car where I was parked and my leg did this like noodle thing Ugh, man. and then the adrenaline hit me even harder and I turned around and I was like yo we gotta go and my dumb ass instead of using my skateboard as a crutch I literally hopped on one leg a block and a half to my car and then hopped in the car and then drove straight to the hospital and session was over but the bad part about it was that I had to get x-rays to make sure it was all good. Well, when I got the x-ray, they told me, like, oh, well, actually, you anatomically realigned it correctly. Like, um, there's nothing we can do for you there in that aspect. But uh, the way that you broke it, you're going to need surgery. And I kind of just started freaking out a little bit in my head because I didn't have any insurance. And they go, well, here's some paperwork. Um, here's a pain prescription. Um, we're going to send you on your way. Best of luck. So I basically had to figure it out from there. I sat in my bed at my house and this chick that I was dating at the time kind of helped me a little bit with some stuff, um, for like a week and a half, almost two weeks before I got it fixed. So the you only way I made it through, the only way I made it through was like a pile of Vicodin and a pile of cannabis because I was like turning colors. I remember I told you this last time I was hanging out with a friend of mine one day, stopped by to see how I was doing. And I was wearing a blue shirt and he said that I was turning blue and I was starting to match my, my shirt. Not and good. Like, not good. Yeah, it was not, not good for sure. So, you know, pain, pain prescriptions, I don't back that because everybody in America seems to have a huge issue with that. But in that moment in time, I don't know if I would have got through it without that and then the pile of cannabis. So power to the cannabis. Yeah, man. I mean, there's pain medication. Definitely, there's probably extreme situations where it helps, but it can easily be abused for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. I would. Did, did you? He would have been around at the time. Yeah. <laughs> that um, been pivotal. So, dude, they were just like, you came out. They're like, you're a doctor. You set your leg back in place. You should. They were take like, that they right. were like, it's crazy, but you put it right back where it needed to go. <laughs> so there's nothing we can do there. They're like, but doctor I, I Andrew. I definitely had like the panic attack of my life i think that changed me from like a little dude to a man dealing with like that amount of like stress and pain and like uncertainty i i think after i went through that i was like shit dude i can handle anything i'm all good like we're chilling yeah can't get any worse than than folding my leg in half and then well, well what really led all to like what i was getting at with the indiana story was um the chick I was dating at the time, I ended up losing my job. Or not losing my job right away, but I had to get it held on for disability. But then because I didn't make enough from disability, I couldn't keep my apartment. So I had to move out of my apartment. I ended up moving in with my um, girlfriend at the time and her family. Shout out to the Estes family. I wouldn't have been able to make it without them. So. Boop, 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 boop. Shout out, shout super, out. Super freaking lucky on like a whole nother level. Good looks. Shout out to Lorraine and her family. Help. Um, I always I needed some help with my upbringing, and my friend's family took me in, and I graduated high school because of it. So for real. That's dope, man. That's really dope to hear that. Was this the server job you lost? Yeah, this was the server job I lost, and then um. Wait, before we go forward. Them. Before we go forward, uh, how'd you like the serving job? Um, see, I kind of liked the work at first, but then in a way. It started to jade me because I realized people are at their worst when they're hungry. 
So yeah. you're encountering maybe some of the best humans you've ever met, but at their worst moment in the day. <laughs> and you're always the punching bag. That was my hang up. I got a little jaded and I think that it made me a little bit of um a little bit more of an introverted person in the long run. It's good to I have I was a lot more extroverted when I was younger, but as I've gotten older, I tend to enjoy my my own solo mission time throughout the day versus like constantly being consumed with company or conversation. Yeah, yeah. Gives you time to reflect. I like it. I I get it. I'm weird because I go like back and forth. I'm kind of the same way. It's probably a good healthy dose to be 50-50 if you can manage it that way. You're right. I'm trying to balance it as well. That's why I have the gym membership. But just because the pool, I can just go swimming. You don't hear you just kind of cut. You kind of swim and don't hear anything, and you're not really talking when you're swimming. You're just and you're kind of thinking and and skating. I think obviously. cardio. I think yeah. cardio is key for like meditative purposes and key to like getting your thinking on track to where like you want to be thinking more uh, slightly ahead of yourself. I'm not too much of a future tripper, but I th- think everybody that wants to up their game and up their level in life, you should for sure work out. I think at least do something to break a sweat daily. Yeah, man. I think I like- the mental clarity comes through the sweat. Yeah, definitely. You're engaged. We are, we're just energy and meat sacks, and uh, the energy <laughs> well needs, okay. <laughs> the energy needs to be moved. We have to do something with it, and if we don't, then that's just what happens. You know, it's it stagnates. Yeah, I um for mental clarity and stuff. I don't I don't do it all the time, but once in a while I'll do that sensory sensory deprivation tank. I love that. Yeah, thing. we talked about that last time. I really really want to try that. That seems like out of all of the meditative practices, that's probably pretty high on the mountaintop it's nice just because uh it literally cuts off your senses and your senses are like as you know how you perceive the world and they're turned on all the time i mean that's probably why we got to sleep so you get the negative space sensory overload you got to get your brain to like wipe all the stuff out of there that's just filler yeah it's got to process all the input it takes in throughout the whole day you know and sometimes we we miss days of sleep and stuff so that Float tank helps me because I feel like I gain a few days of sleep because I'm floating out in space with no real gravity because it's salt water. And then it shuts off my hearing because I got earplugs. And then you're in a tank and you can't see. And you're just like, you're all your salt water is like probably good ailments, all the old injuries and aches. Yeah, that's why I really like it. Is it just like, yeah, it basically <laughs> makes you get out and you feel like you're two years younger or something, you know? For just sure. all, the, all the all the swelling out of your joints it's amazing dude and your posture it helps with posture because you're just floating so your body like figures it out like how to float out in space you know that's sick i definitely got to look into that i know there's quite a few out here i just haven't taken the time yet yeah it's it, dude if you ever see one just go it's usually like 40 to 60 bucks and it's for an hour i did two hours one time got really high and i just like had a hard time coming back to my body i was like oh my god i was out of it for a long time because <laughs> <laughs> when you're laying there dude i was laying there out in space with all my senses off super high and like when you do that for a long time it's like especially me because i'm kind of an overthinker like i analyze shit a lot and just like i have you probably analytics. feel like you transcend in a sense. Well, it lets it, lets it all work out because, dude, sometimes we get carried away with life and we have so many thoughts going on at once and at, and it's all bouncing around in there. And then, like, when you go in the tank, oh, it's just I'm like, a part of that group for sure. 
Yeah. When you go in that tank and you all your other senses cut off, your brain is the only thing you can kind of really focus on. And it kind of unravels and, and you start to be like, okay, this is like a, not a worry that I got to let go because it's not a big deal anymore or this or that. Or you can dump a lot of thoughts and emotions in there. I like cried one time because I was just thinking about my mom and I life so crazy that I hadn't had time to reflect on her passing, you know? So like I went in the tank and like all my senses were cut off and just my thoughts. And then I just kind of like got to like thinking about my mom and I was like, it kind of helped me, you know, cause I had a little bit of closure, you know, to think about helped it. You worked past maybe the last little bit of hangups you were having about your perspective. Yeah. I mean, I still have a lot of hangups <laughs> in that particular yeah, that, area, but it that me might get, be a lifelong journey of working through. But it definitely helped. It helped with one like hang up, if any. There might be multiple, but I definitely cried something out, and I felt better after. I was like, "Damn!" And it was only because I was able to have all my senses cut off. Like even at night, like even just normal sleep's hard for me to do that. You know, I didn't even dream. Maybe at you night. need like a good ambient noise or something, or like maybe get one of those little like waterfall sculptures for your room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you might have to wake up and use the restroom a bunch, though. I don't know if that'll be the drawback. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, yeah, that's true, right? A little trick. Right? <laughs> I just thought it'd be cool, right? Like this little bonsai tree zen garden thing where it's like off in the corner and no, creates like something to like zen out on while you're trying to lay there and go to sleep. Because it takes me forever to go to sleep every night. Like yeah. sometimes I'll lay there for two straight hours and be like, why? <laughs> You can't count sheep. You can't do anything. You just got to, like, figure out how to focus on your breathing. That's yeah. really the only trick I could ever recommend. Yeah, or just sheer physical exhaustion. You have to, like, go. Yeah, that's probably, that's probably what it is. Those nights are just the days where you didn't go out and juice your body enough. Yeah. Your body's so used, especially as skateboarders, we're so used to a certain level of, I don't know, torture. <laughs> Or just having to physically push yourself beyond, like, a normal amount of energy. That yeah. your body gets conditioned to that, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, you lose your job, and you end up in Indiana. I ended up, I ended up living with this chick. I go back to the job after I do all my recovery, because I had to have two surgeries. I had uh, a big plate and seven screws put in my leg. For the first surgery, I go six months, and then I'm having all sorts of swelling issues. I go see my doctor. He's like, well, I don't know. Let's see what's up with it. Let's see it's how it's healing. I get my x-rays. He says, I'm healing so well, we can't even see the fracture mark from where you broke it. I was doing all sorts of crazy shit to heal. I was obsessed, like, seven days a week. Um, so I was like, yeah, like, he goes, um, you know, you could either keep the hardware in there and learn to adapt to it, or we could take it out. And I said, get it out of there. Take it out. I feel like I can't live my life with metal in my leg. So I go through another surgery. They slice the same spot open. They unscrew everything. And they hook you back up. And when I came out of surgery that time, that's probably the most pain out of the whole process was the second time because the scar tissue and all that. When they took it all out, you're saying? Yeah, when they took it all out. like uh, When I woke up from surgery, it was like I was ran over by an elephant and then punched by a train and then, like, shit on by a Bigfoot or something, dude. It was fucked. <laughs> but uh, I eventually, like, I recovered to where I could, like, walk normally. And then I went back to the job, but then they stuck me right back on the third shift again. And in order to heal, you got to keep yourself on a good circadian rhythm. And that completely ruins your whole rhythm. So, like, I had to figure out how to get a different job. 
and the manager wouldn't work with me or listen to me. So I just went into work one night and I worked like half my shift and then just quit. And then through a string of failed job circumstances, I eventually decided that I needed to move back to Indiana so I could spend some time with my family and jump back on my feet. So I moved back to Indiana from 2013 to the middle of 2017. And I picked up painting as a trade. I was painting houses and I worked for a few different companies and a buddy of mine from high school actually got me into it. And I thought it was pretty cool because I've always been into art. I like to paint and draw and stuff. And it never occurred to me like, oh, shit, I could sling paint for a paycheck. Damn, I should totally do that. So I've been doing that for about five years now. Damn, sick. Pretty stoked because it was the whole way that I was able to transition and move back out here. Up until recently, I got laid off my job which is actually another blessing in disguise because now I got a little bit more time to pursue skating and figure out how to maybe position myself in a job where it's not so physical. It's like I put more energy into skating because my whole like skate life journey, at least since I left the desert has just been focused primarily on like, how do you keep your finances right and chasing work and, a dollar and then like figuring out how to fit in the rest of what you want to do with your life and your free time and to do what I want to do and I'm sure the way that you did it and everyone else that we watched that does it you need a lot of time to do that and it's like the weird balance you have to find between resources and time and finances for sure and and without like any sort of like leg up or any sort of like support system it's going to be pretty difficult to figure out how to do that. So I got an idea. So, well, but that was at that time, like nowadays, I mean, I've got a few different more avenues that I could seek out and probably maybe a better network of people. Maybe I could contact and it's just a matter of time and circumstance to figure out where it's all headed. But for now I got way more time to skate and I've been trying to capitalize on it. Yeah, that's awesome. I would say maybe like, just start a stream of something with skate content or something skate related so that you put something out once a week because then there's like this thing that you're creating and working at and then people might want to support it you know if they if they like idea. it and watch it that's a good idea appreciate that as of now i've just been trying to keep up on the social media i do like an instagram account and a facebook account and, and uh i've got like an archive of a whole bunch of old footage so the video part that you're watching is um a part of a new youtube channel that i just started and i found a way to track down all my old video parts and a bunch of raw filed clips and i got them all on a hard drive and then i created the youtube account and i posted everything that i could get a hold of on there except for one single video part that i put out in like 2010 when i lived in huntington like right before i went through the injury but uh Due to, like, music rights, um, YouTube actually took it off of YouTube, and it's on an old account that I I don't have the information to tap back into it because it's linked to an old cell phone number that I had. Do you know know where it is? Google. Oh, well, some shit with Google, too. They bought out YouTube at one point, and it changed the way that, like, the infrastructure works. So there was no way that I could do, like, like a password recovery or any of that because I don't have the old phone number that's attached to it. It's a weird hang-up. But I don't care. So I started the new one, and I've got all of that stuff archived on there now. 
And I have all the original files from the part that isn't on YouTube anymore. So what I've just been doing lately is I've just been taking single clips and I post them whenever on my Instagram as yeah. like just extra content on top of like all the stuff I do when I go out and skate. Well, that's awesome, and I, I like it because it's like you're digitizing. You're moving into, like, the next thing. You're, like, digitizing your skating. Like, I've done that with all – I have all this arch, archives of hard drives of just stuff I've collected. I've always went out in a way to ask the filmer for the clips and for the raw clips and everything. So I just have all that, and it's cool to, like, be able to put it on the inter, internet where it's going to live, you know, where assuming yeah. that humanity moves forward, it'll be there for our lifetime, you know, like. Yeah, for sure. That's my whole favorite part about skateboarding, I think, is being able to go out and create content, like document the session and get a clip that you actually worked for that when you look back, you go like, damn, that took a lot of work to do that. I'm really proud of that. Or like, I'm really stoked that I got that trick because I've never did that trick on any other spot because maybe the spot dictates the trick or, you know, those kinds of circumstances where you look back and you're just you're super thankful about how you got to spend that time. Yeah, man. It's definitely like a collection of memories to go back and see it all, you know? Even, like, that's what people trip out on. Like, I, I go back to photography again. Like, people with actual, they shoot photos, print them out and stuff, and just, like, have it all on their walls and everywhere. And then, like, to have it digitally. Like, you, like I go through the YouTube channel, and I've been doing mine for... God, it's been years now. I think like 2011, maybe. So like, I gotta ask. I years. think you possibly were the first skateboard podcast. Um, maybe, possibly. I don't. I, I just. I caught on to your stuff in about 2015. Yeah, I was super early, even for podcasts, let alone skate podcasts. But I don't, there might have been another one, but I didn't hear about it. I just like started learning about podcasts and listening to like philosophers and like comedians and I was like well it's just such a cool medium and like they were just saying like hey if you have something to talk about and I've always like had stuff to talk about like because I overthink a lot and I analyze things a lot just from and like, your journey through the skateboard world and all the individuals that you got to come in contact with and all the stories you created along that journey I'm sure oh of course of course so like I've always, like, been curious and just overthinker and just, like, every time I meet, like, a new person or a new skate soul, I'm just, like, so curious about them, you know? Like, I'm a, almost a fanboy of a lot of people to some degree of skating, you know? Like, I, can, I can relate to that, too, because it's almost like by hearing a part of their story, maybe you learn a little bit about your own. Yeah, well said. Yeah, definitely. Or at least, I like, think, you you at least I, get to meet I someone that's that has... I am. Say it again? I think that's why I am that way. That's why I relate to that statement for sure. Cause it's like, I'm trying to learn about myself through other people's like perspectives. Definitely. I lo I lo that's like one of the best ways to learn, you know, you gotta be open enough to like be able to think like that. It's not always easy, but yeah, I agree, man. Humans are our greatest resource. Cause like we're all trying to figure it out and we can help or hurt each other, you know, but if we're all aiming at good things, I like skateboards too. Cause it's like an unspoken language. Cause Especially if you see someone who's been skating a lot and they're you get they're usually doing pretty good in life because they've been like working on something or be engaging or being in a moment like to skateboard you got to have balance and be doing it you know so like you know that they're not just sticking around all the time you know but par partly though but yeah 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 I love skateboarding and, and people and that's for sure they were skateboarding like, is one of the greatest things that ever happened in my entire existence amen dude hell yeah. <laughs> For um, sure. Yeah. And the podcast just came in because I was like, 
I, I realized that I could connect to people, which is an awesome idea, but also ter- terrifying. Because, like, you don't, <laughs> you don't always want to talk, you know what I mean? Like, nah. Sometimes I just did you want to be introvert and shut down and just, like, recoup. Yeah, and I set, like, a standard. I was like, I want to do it once a week just because I wanted to challenge myself. I was like, if I can meet a new person or, like, sit down and testimonial about my own life or talk or whatever once a week, then I'm present and I'm in a moment and I, it, I'm sticking to something once a week, you know? So the podcast was like an experience for myself, but also to connect with others. It was just like a challenge to myself and a way to connect to others. And, it, and that's an awesome thing to have to, to be able to do. We couldn't do that before. Very true. Very yeah. true. Everything was a little bit more shut off, a little bit. Information was a bit more esoteric. Yeah. Definitely, especially in the skateboard industry, like it was videos and magazines and videos were D- like a VHS and then DVDs eventually. And then photos. that's why I'm so hyped on the medium of podcasts and like skateboard related content like what you do and these other guys out here are doing. Because for somebody like me who's always wanted to do something with skateboarding, but maybe I didn't know the right people to talk to with more perspective about the way things works. When I hear these shows or these podcasts, you hear stories and you hear perspective from people that did it firsthand, and it's really cool Hell because yeah. that wasn't available for individuals like myself before. No, nah, dude. We so were, I we, get to learn we vicariously through that information. Yeah. And I don't have to be um, I don't have to be overbearing, or I don't have to put people on the spot, you know, like that kind of thing. Maybe when you want to find out information about stuff that isn't available you got to go bug people you don't have to go bug people now it's out there just go look it up yeah yeah so that's amazing we tap into the collective of all of our intelligence you know problem is you can curate like a little hell for yourself like if you have bad patterns and you're like i'm gonna listen to this person even though it's just like hurting me and fucking me up like the internet's so powerful for good or bad you know it's insane man (laughs) yeah the level of influence through just that one medium is amazing yeah, I feel man. like it blows like our parents' generation. Like it blows them away when they like talk about it. It can be like world altering, you know. So it's insane, man. And we're only moving further that way, it seems. So it's oh, just like speaking you know. of the influence of all of that. Look up a new, sh- it's documentary based style film on Netflix. I What's believe it called? it's called Hacked or The Hack. I forget exactly. It has to do with all of that, uh, did you hear anything about, um, an influence in the presidential election that Trump was involved in when he became Trump and a company called Cambridge Analytica? Yeah, I did hear about that. Look, look at that documentary. It goes into detail about like this whole behind the scenes story. It'll blow your mind. Is it, is it that Trump? worked with the Russians to have troll accounts basically sway the election or am I tripping? That's like a small part of the story, but they don't really touch so much on the Russians. It's more or less like this. It's basically this giant propaganda machine of a company that they hired in order to influence or sway voters in in a particular way with using technology. Yeah, they're making tons of fake accounts probably and just... That was one of the things. Yeah, that was one of the things for sure. Dude, sometimes I'll post something and I'll get like an account and I'm like, this is clearly someone created this account. It's a bot, first of all. 
and the bot has uh, opinions and political lean leanings, and it's but it's not a human, you know. I'm like, who would create that, you know? Who would take the damn time? Yeah, they would do <laughs> Who's it. Who's got they time would... for this kind of shit? It's like idea. It's like information war, you know. People are trying to flood the market with like ideas to sway their politics or something. Yeah. Everyone's got a vested interest in politics at one level or another, it seems. Yeah, it pulls you in, dude. I'm I'm like <laughs> I've been watching uh, so much. Sounds like an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> I watched a bunch, man, and it's just like I don't know. I'm trying to I'm see. too uninformed to have a political opinion. I try not to really discuss that or religion too in depth with too many people. I find yeah. skateboarders it's it's kinda navigatable, but even then so maybe just avoid that stuff because it's kind of like i always look at like religion or politics or like sexual preference or anything that's on that personal level as like that's just your shit like you don't have to share it i guess maybe if it came up in a particular conversation and it pertains to something but i trip out on people like just in public that just uh are so willing to just like provide information that you didn't ask for <laughs> well if they build their whole identity on one thing and there's no balance then that's like a problem like if i was going to talk about religion i would be like yeah i like the concept i like the idea of a god something that we aspire to that's bigger than us that we you know we just will try to get to but may never you know it's it's you're dreaming so big and you're aiming at good things and trying to figure out how to get better like, I like the concept of it, but it's not my whole identity, and I definitely don't have all the answers, you know? But some people are so, like, their whole world relies on either their politics or their religion or, like, I was like that with skating. Like, skating was my religion. You know, honestly, I was like that with skateboarding. I bet, I bet. Overbearing and just couldn't shut up about it, and I was just way too hyped and probably pretty annoying to be around for a second. Be- better <laughs> that than something else. <laughs> better yeah, that. I just Goldberg. looked at it like, it's just perpetuating nothing but positivity for me and maybe that's why i was so overly boisterous about it at times i totally get it man (laughs) (laughs) everyone's got a bandwagon they're trying to get somebody to jump on (laughs) yeah man um so all right so let's go back to after the injury and how you feeling now your legs i'm pretty good man i still have a little bit of residual effects because what the orthopedist that gave me my surgery told me that when I broke my leg, this main ligament that you have right here on the inside of the ankle, yeah, kind of you you get all your hot pocket and your power and your pop and stuff from. I unplugged that from the bone when I broke it. Oh my god! So within like the six months of the first surgery, of just like I think it was like half of that time I was in a cast. Somehow from Whatever I was doing, the way I was thinking, somehow I healed it. Nice. It was according to him. But I I still think I have, like, residual scar tissue problems because I still get, like, weird, like, bruising issues if I skate too much. Or when I go and I jump and I huck down something, like a flip trick down something, and I don't, like, get it right away. It takes me a bunch of tries. I'll be beat up for, like, three or four days and the ankle's kind of swollen. Yeah. But, like, stretching and then, like, ice bath fast for the feet that kind of stuff i usually go back to normal eventually i use uh you ever mess with arnica arnica rub yep that stuff works really good for bruising too i tend to use that a lot i used to be on tiger bone but i was tired of everything turning orange (laughs) like that overbearing peppermint 
scent that almost becomes a flavor. Dude, every tour <laughs> van ever. Every tour van ever is that and sunflower seeds. Like, what the Sunflower fuck? seeds and weed. the smell of, like, dirty socks. Yeah. Crotches, weed, uh, tiger bomb. <laughs> <laughs> Gross. Good times. Good nostalgia. That's the trenches for you. <laughs> hey, that's what everybody's, that's what every kid's dream is, though, to get in the van, man. You get in the van, shit's on. Oh, it's so sick. I still, like, we're going on a trip next this weekend coming up uh, we're going up to maine and we're basically camping out and skating this dude's ramp it's a uh, rob stock it's low card mag you ever heard of low card i think i heard you talking about this in the last podcast that you did with the guy who he's been doing it for 10 years i think oh yeah my, that was mike but mike does central mass which is oh that's we're going, central mass okay yeah I'm, we're going to, I'm not to too that. good with the geography from where you come from i haven't been there yet it's part of it yeah, well, Central Mass is like a, a skate event that's going to go down Friday. That one will be super fun. We'll be there, skate a mini ramp, and there's a little street set up. That's going to be fun. And then from there, we're driving like five hours into Maine. And uh, it's Rob Collison, who owns Low Card Magazine. And he basically... Oh, sick. Low Card's rad. Yeah, he just basically invites everybody out to the middle of Maine, all the people that like are in the mag or support the mag, out to the middle of Maine to his childhood home. And his child. Oh, I heard home. you talk about this. Yeah. You guys go out there and camp, and it's just like a free for all. It's like um, it's like Woodstock for skateboarding. Dude, exactly. It's his childhood home, and it's rotting into the ground. There's holes in the roof. It's decaying into the ground, and they built ramps all up to it and next to it and shit. And we just shred his house into the ground. <laughs> That's pretty gnarly. Chronicles yeah, it, of Narnia. It's insane, dude. There's like tent city when you walk in, when you first get to the property and are walking in. There's just everybody city. set up with, yeah, it's so great. There's one tent that said Pussy Palace on it. Someone spray painted it on it. I was like, what? Uh, it's sick, but it's like chaotic and crazy. It's just like a two day party. Like last year, it started raining uh, at night, and all the townies from Maine that didn't even skate, just like the local people, the creatures, they came out and they're just jamming and then they're jumping off the mini ramp like onto fucking uh kegs and shit and the so rain. there's like people so that there's people that live on the property year round no they're just like townies like they creep oh, in they uh, hear about it yeah yeah just because <laughs> everybody knows it's like a local event that's been going on for a while oh, dude yeah because every time it's like all these skateboarders show up to this small ass town and they're going to the store and shit like i went in and they're like they thought we were blueberry pickers because I guess there's like people that go in. We looked like a blueberry picker maybe because that's like probably work out there. And uh, but now we're like, yeah, we're here for Rob Stock. They're like, oh, this is happening, you know? <laughs> They're probably stoked. That probably boosts the local economy while you guys are around. Oh, definitely, definitely. It's a, so cool. It's so feed cool. a bunch of money into the system real quick. Yeah, skateboarding. People come together for it, so it's usually pretty good, you know. It's sick, man. It just got a little backyard wrestling for me at night, so I had to leave and go sleep in camp. <laughs> yeah, you got to go, like, recoup and step away from that for a second, I bet. Yeah, Everybody dude. starts smashing too many adult beverages. It gets a little awkward. Dude, super heavy. Seriously, uh, uh, we were camped out, like, a mile down the road, and I could just hear stadium roars from the mini ramp until, like, 4 in the morning. And I'm like, we're sitting in the tent, and I'm like, dude, there's no way – anyone's doing anything that gnarly like there's no way they're just all fucking wasted for sure we go in they're getting that gnarly still there's like my homies like on mushrooms doing fucking nose blunts on the sketchy ramp and then like he's tapping into the starhead body yeah they're out there it's a fucking trip dude <laughs> i also ate clams no i ate uh yeah what did i eat 
I ate a lobster and some sort of clams and it got me sick like the clams did because I was just like heat exhaustion, smoked too much weed. I was tripping balls because of these things. <laughs> it was intense. That's a new one. I never heard of that. It was intense. It was like, I, it was just like hot. I smoked too much weed, drank some beer, ate some clams that might have been bad. And then I was just like pacing around Robstock, losing my mind. <laughs> it was insane, man. Let that me, is insane, yeah. But it's fun, dude. Let me see some of the let me see some of the paintings, man. You showed me a little. Also, oh, this this is like a bunch of stuff that I had been working on when I lived in Indiana, and then this one. Let's see. That one right there, the green one, I finished since I've lived here in this house in Huntington. But since what? I've moved back here, I kind of really haven't been creating too much artwork. I've just been focusing on chasing money and skating more. Is, it's. Uh, it's too nice here. You know about that Southern California sun and how it's too easy to just be outside all day. Yeah, I get or, that. Or, or not, depending on who you're spending your time with. <laughs> that one up in the corner, um, what, is that white There's canvas? There's some, some boards and some other shit that I made. That's sick, man. That stuff looks sick. That, that painting in the top left, is that like, a, what's the material it's made out of? The white canvas one up in the left? Oh, the white one, that's a store-bought canvas, but... uh. It's just a really intricate piece of artwork. Let's see if I can get closer. I had to plug my damn phone in because it was going to die. Um, oh, I get it. You know, it looks so sick. Do you sell this stuff online anywhere? Uh, I haven't really decided what I was going to do with it. I've got a whole idea dedicated towards it. Like, even like an artist alias and like a logo that I've created and a name for a website and all that. I just haven't taken the time to save up funds and buy the licensing and all that to legitimize it. But I, in the future, I would really like to see if I couldn't figure out how to make a full-time living off creating art when I get a little bit older. Yeah, man. But I've been creating cool. art since I was, like, I've been drawing since I was two years old, but I've been creating art since probably right around the same time I found skateboarding. Sick. And, and then the painting thing, I've been doing that, I don't know, I found graffiti first is what happened. Sick spray painting on you know back alley walls and trains and whatever i could get away with when i was a teenager and nice. then when i moved to the desert i met some uh some homies in high school that all wrote graffiti and i was a part of a graffiti crew for a little bit what sick <laughs> jfc jamming from cops just fucking graffiti <laughs> crew <laughs> sick shout out to those homies they were fun to hang out with but they were too wild for me hey you gotta hang out with them yeah, I eventually just decided, like, I got to stop being a little shithead, and I got to get back to skateboarding. And then the moment that I started to apply myself to skateboarding is when I found the situation of being able to ride for pharmacy. And then that started the whole journey to where I'm at now, which That's is kind right. of a trip. So art and skateboarding are pretty pretty hand-in-hand. Hand. They kind of, like, have created the path that I've taken and the decisions that I've decided to make to, like, how I want to spend my time and live my life. Yeah, hell yeah. I back that. <laughs> hell yeah, appreciate that. Yeah, sure. no worries. I think you could always, I think you could set like, like a Facebook page up too, and I think you can sell stuff on there. I would just put some up just to see, you never know. Someone might see it and be like, damn, sick. I, I like post some of the stuff sometimes on my social media. I had started like this free platform for a, like an e-commerce store through this website called Big Cartel. They cater yeah. to artists specifically. I started that in the PayPal. Like, I've literally done everything I could do except for, like, 
legitimize it and get prints made. That's kind of why I haven't decided to sell any of my originals yet. I want to yeah. try to create um, a limited run of prints for each one of these bigger projects I've worked on. Because when you do, do that, you create like, a limited run of prints and you hand number them all and you, you sign them and it actually creates value for your originals. And yeah. I would like to be able to sell the, the originals for a good price due to the amount of material and time I spent on them. And not everybody's really willing to invest like a substantial amount of money into a piece of art unless they're a collector for the most part. Yeah. So I'd like to be able to offer the prints too for the people that are into my style and the stuff that I create, but for a cheaper price so that they don't feel like they're making an investment to like get a piece of it that they could hang on their wall. Yeah, man. So I, I got to learn some things about the business end of it too. That's why I'm, I'm taking my sweet ass time. I would like to be able to start it and start it strong and do it right instead of like starting it off and having a bunch of hang-ups and maybe potentially losing like opportunities along the way because i didn't do my due diligence yeah man that's good that you're enjoying it and you're taking your time you know like that's the best way for sure i got i got super committed to it so like i got i got it tattooed on my arm the the logo that i created to represent all of it it's basically like an ideology so uh, the tattoo reminds me of the ideology, and then when I, I look at the tattoo, it's also a reminder of the commitment. So, like, you know, at one point you need to set aside time, like set aside time to start that journey. Yeah. That you that you put all that work into. Yeah, that's awesome, man. The thing is, like, I feel like we could we could do we could live our dreams, you know, but they're never like nothing's free. It's like you have to work for it. So even like. Everyone wants to make tons of money skating, but, like, a lot of times that becomes, like, your job. Like, running a skateboard company, like, I get to be a part of it, but it's, like, stuff I don't want to do either. It's, like, a job at some point, you know? The fun Take part is all the... the actual time of riding the skateboard, the yeah, whole reason exactly. why you started it all. Exactly. But, like, it's, it's all... It's a trade-off. It's a trade-off, yeah. though, right? Anything you do a lot becomes work, you know what I mean, to some degree. And you don't want to not have work. You don't want to escape. Like, work will help you grow. Like, even if... I just want to work on things that matter with people that matter. So that's why I aim at skateboarding, whether it's like through podcasting or being consistent with my YouTube channel or uh, keep growing the brands. It's like I get to like work with more and more skateboarders. We started a magazine. We have our first issue actually dropped. Um, just like things that we could work on together and find a way to like do it, you know, like and it's we just got to work at it, you know. Do you like, shoot photos for your magazine as well or do you just work with other photographers? Oh, do we have a uh, so I in the next issue I'll have some of my photography, but uh we have 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 10 like 12 different contributing photographers and like That's really cool. You're pulling together like another community of individuals to work with you as well. Yeah, man, we put an ad in for the podcast. <laughs> it's sick, so man. sick it's got a, a trip to florida we did we just did a limited run too like a small run and gave them out to like shops that support all i need and cop boards and t-shirts and stuff and like some people when they cop online i'll throw the mag in or like random stuff in their boxes so like but like to me what i'm saying is like i've always just wanted to work on skateboarding and because it's like something worth working at and it feels like art and skateboarding is like hand in hand those are two things worth working at that kind of like self-discovery it challenges you it promotes growth like you enjoy it like we should be able to do things we enjoy and make a living you know 
I think America's great enough to where you can figure out how to make that path for yourself. It's just weird in the beginning. Yeah. You're going to have to go through a bunch of ups and downs and maybe some disappointments. And maybe you're going to have to change your perspective along the way to figure out what you got to get to get where you want to be because it's a lot of unforeseen circumstances with what we like to do. And I think even more so for the artists, I think the art world's even more cutthroat versus like other creative routes. Yeah. It's, it's really clicky and opinion based from what I've gathered out a lot of it, even more so than skateboarding. Oh, and yeah, skateboarding seems to be like the, I know skateboarding seems to be the epitome of that. <laughs> That's not the best worst thing ever. The, not everybody gets cut the same deal. Go to Slap Message Board and say this. <laughs> Ooh, I gotta open up a fucking can of worms. It's amazing. I've never well, even, like, checked that out. I've heard stories. It's the best worst thing ever. It's a complete <laughs> awesome waste of time <laughs> in the best way. <laughs> okay, so if you're hanging out and you just want a few minutes to kill. Yeah. Make sure it sounds it sounds a lot like maybe other internet shit that you could look up. You know, it's a good time. It's funny. You ever look at the people of Walmart.com? Oh yeah, you'll find all types of characters, that, all different scenarios. <laughs> that one's a pretty entertaining thing. Um, PoorLifeChoices.com is a pretty funny one. <laughs> oh, I'm checking Poor Life Choices. <laughs> that's one I haven't checked out in like ages though, so I can't tell you if that's like updated or new though. Regarding slap though, there's definitely like some humor on there and there's some wittiness and then there's just a bunch of like petty garbage. Haters. But like yeah, it depends on the day. Like I'll go check in once in a while and see what these guys are into because they have seems like they have no interest besides just being a skateboarder, you know? It's not like they they're not they're politicking, but it's like, I don't know. They're, they're politicking just... about, like, whose new shoe dropped or whose yeah. tape graphic is whack or something. like. Yeah. There's different sub-chapters, too, on the forum. Like, my friend was like, oh, go to, like, the one where it's photography and filmers talking. Like, there's different domains that I didn't go into yet, but I got it, you know? I bet you it depends on, like, the individual being discussed, the level of <laughs> camaraderie or hate. It's being dished out. There has to be a place for it, man. A release valve. <laughs> Let it go, bro. That's what I look at Twitter as. I'm like, Twitter is like everyone's internal thoughts or like experiment and thought or idea. And they're just putting it all out there. And it's just like I've a have never done aspect. Twitter. Twitter could be a bit of a, a, a word vomit site. Yeah. People just barf up their thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> intense there's too many too i like there's so many platforms nowadays there's like what, Twitter, what Facebook. makes it so um what makes twitter so intriguing i i've always wanted to ask somebody who's partaken in that i've never never downloaded the app and started an account well so twitter at its best is like uh and i it opens up conversation you know it limits how many words you can use so you have to like craft what you're actually trying to say at its best you gotta so, be articulate huh yeah, you could be articulate, and then you could have a bunch of other people that are sharp and witty or clever or, like, it's a, it opens up cool dialogue, and it, it has some restraint. It's got its good advantages, but at, at its worst, it's just like any other platform. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> it's, like, mean, evil, fucking, there's everything on there. I mean, they Twitter even lets there just be porn up there, like, no big deal. So if you're a porn star and you want to put up all your shit, go right ahead. 
Like, it's the wow. Wild West, you know? So people are probably making money off that platform, too, then, huh? I'm sure, like, I mean, that's kind of the way things are I'd going. I'd imagine that's probably why it exists, though, because there's some monetary gain to be had from it. Well, the exchange of ideas and thoughts and, and that, too, you know, like a little bit of all of it. It's connectivity. We're able to connect to different minds and, like, you can. You can it's a tool. It's just like any True. tool. That's so. a dope name for, like, a brand, connectivity. Yeah, there you go. I wonder if that's been done. I've heard that before. Sounds familiar. It Maybe does not. sound familiar. Like some 90s wheel company or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the 90s yeah. were my favorite shit. I love that era for skateboarding. Hell um yeah the social media stuff is just like there's so many of them my my idea would be if you're going to start out like focus on one or two that you can manage and that aren't don't, don't feel like too much work and isn't unhealthy for you so like for me i like to use like when i started i was doing facebook and then instagram you know and those two i just like learned how to use those to like my advantage those are the so, only two that i really mess with yeah but I've experiments with all of them. Like, I have a LinkedIn, too, that I'm pretty stoked on. It's just, like, I look at that, like, all my, like, a resume, kind of, like, all my experience and stuff that I just, like, am proud of. And, like, I can post it up there to share. That's, then, a, uh, that's like, a site that you could use or an app that you can use to, uh, like, search out work. Is that what yeah, LinkedIn? Yeah, it's, like, it's, like, for like, professionals. Like a professional? Yeah, it's, like, resumes for professionals. It's, like, your, it's, like, your uh, work experience. You put your history, your education, and it's, like, you're supposed to be able to find jobs or network or connect with individuals that are interested in something related to business. You know, it's like got a little bit of like business prestige to it, but it's like social media too. I you feel know like a I mean? caveman right now asking you about that. I'm surprised I don't know anything about it yet. Dude, when all these <laughs> came out, I just like jumped on them all. Cause I was like, love the idea of like trying to figure them out. But after a while you're like, there's just too many. And like, some are hurting me. Some are time wasted. Some are like productive and, like some I just don't enjoy. Like Twitter's one that I I still keep it. I've I thought about de deleting it, but I'm like I'm like I know it's powerful and I know I could find a way to use it where I would be enjoy it. You know, I just haven't done that. I haven't been able to do it. And it's just like there's just sometimes too much. But you never know. You might go back or whatever. Seems like a good way to promote all your products whenever you drop drop a new line of stuff or you get a stuff that was out of stock maybe and you get you restock just to let your your clientele know what's up. Yeah, maybe. But I think because when I first started using all social media things, that's what it was. It was just to promote the things I was stoked on and like the things that I was working on and like try to keep it less opinion based, you know, and stuff like that. But Twitter to me just seems like you've got to have something. You just got to have something you want to talk about. A lot of it comes out as grievances online and Twitter. But like and some people are just overly positive. It's just like your internal thinking. And you got like I just haven't found a way to use it where I'm like. Because sometimes I'll write a tweet and I'll be like, ah, oh, I didn't really mean that. Like, I'm super, like, impulsive and write shit and, like, so, I don't know. I just, like, haven't found a way, man. It's hard to express tone through just writing things out. Like, a text message, you can never really pick up on the tone of maybe what you're trying to evoke, too. And maybe that's yeah. part of it. Yeah, man, definitely. It's weird, because, like, like... I feel like tone's a lot behind conversation when you're what? trying to express a thought. Yeah, definitely. That gives a context so that you can understand, like, because there might just be that little, like, tone that, you're, that explains the whole thing to you. Mm -hmm. But, like, Twitter, like, I don't know. I'm not missing it, but maybe when I'm older, when I feel <laughs> like... Because, like, right now, my thoughts are too jumpy, and I, like, I know the things I believe in wholeheartedly, but there's things I still am open-minded about, and I always will be, but, like, 
I just haven't found a way to like use it to my advantage where I'm going to enjoy it. Cause everything you do online is your time. You know, it's like, it's work, you know, people like to think like to, to make money online is fucking work. So if someone figure out, figure out a way to monetize their passion and their dream and then do it through online, like they're working, it's not easy. Like it's very seldom, you know, it's like in Nigel wins, when Nigel's the one dude who gets the big Nike check and the like, he becomes Nigel, and before that was like Sheckler. It's like they hit the right moment. That's like one person online did that. They just happened to get popular and were good enough, you know. The rest of the people are just trying to figure out a way to do it, you know what I mean, and make it work. And it's like dog eat dog, you know. There are outliers, is what I'm saying, but for the most part, if you figure out a way to like monetize something you love and do it through online, you're hustling, you know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and it's hard to have a new original thought. Like a <laughs> lot of stuff has already been done, and it's almost like ideas are just out there bouncing around, but they've already been had. And maybe you just have to figure out how to come at it from a different angle. Yeah, and nobody the, else has seen it. Just just aim at things that you give a shit about. So like, cause your time, it's your time. Like so like if I'm gonna do all the work of uploading videos and stuff it's going to be of skating or talking about skating or like or family or friends like the whole, whole idea with all i need is like to keep me focused on my the things i need so i can build a foundation off of it and the things i need are like my friends and my family and skateboarding those are the things you know so like if i'm going to work at things i want to work towards those things and if i'm going to because i'll work full-time jobs and still like do online stuff and like but I, if I'm going to do online stuff, it's work that I'm choosing to do. So I'm going to aim at those things, you know what I mean? Because that's what – even if you make – if you can make money just hanging out with your friends or talking to skateboarders or skating, doing the actual act of it, you know, like that would be a dream come true. You're going to have to work at it, but – Like a bucket scenario, like if you were able to just do this full time. Yeah, so we got to – Run a skateboard company. We got to figure out a way to like – because – with the internet, I feel like it's our way to try to monetize our lives in some aspect where you can connect and we can find ways to make a living doing something we enjoy. We have cameras and microphones and like there's communities and some people like before it was like celebrities could have all the clout because they just live these extreme lives and they could pay to get it out there through magazines. Like you ever go to the tabloids? The tabloids are hilarious to me. I'm like, these are just propaganda, like from rich people. They pay, they probably pay for those magazines. Oh, to... like the shit you see in the the aisle when you're paying for your stuff at the supermarket, the Inquirer. Yeah, yeah like Alex Baldwin slept with an alien, and he's like hanging out. I'm like, yeah, they, Alex Baldwin probably paid for that ad just to like be in the like people think he's a celebrity, you know? Like, it's like just to that's... keep some relevance with his name. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where I'm just, just like for the the sake of the matter. Yeah. So I don't I don't know. Online is just like a mirror to me, or like these phones are mirrors. It's like reflections, you know, and they're powerful tools, and we can kind of connect and see and hear each other, and like we can work together too. Like people can find ways to find niches of things they care about and build industry around them. If if enough people are focused and like trying to do it, it could happen, you know. And like it's been an ongoing experiment, you know. I'm not really sure. I'm not, it's like maybe it's utopian to think that everybody could do what they want or you can monetize people's lives so that they could enjoy them and not fucking are we I don't know, you know, like I don't know, I was worried. Kind of seems going. to break away from the system that we find ourselves in in the society that we live in in America is that 
you just got to use whatever job you can get as a stepping stone to get to the next skill set. And nobody else is ever really going to show you how to unlock or open the door. Yeah. It's up to you to figure out how much information you can gather through observance and experience. And, and in the end, it really is just all up to you. Like we all cut our own deals and the amount of effort that you put in is what you're going to get out. I think. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, we're, we're definitely, we're getting hippie here, but I like it. Um, we're definitely like work in progress, you know, like, I'm 36. I still feel like I'm 12, but I remember when I was born. Was... <laughs> At least I'm not the only one. I just turned 34 last week, and I'm oh, yeah. probably like maybe 14, maybe 15 at heart, <laughs> maybe on a good day. Like, but like I'm still trying to figure it out. You know, I'm just not above hard work. Like I, I've always like I had sponsors and everything, and they paid for for my name to be built up. Like the Anthony Shetler. Like people know who I am because those sponsors paid for it but those sponsors were like my friends that skated and got jobs you know and it was a job for them and they were working to the, the dream don't work unless we work so like i was i felt super lucky because i told my story since i was real young i talked i always talked about my family upbringing and that i really wanted to pursue skating and that like I'm Yo, your ball. story is inspiring to say the least homie for Thank sure you. i've heard it it's sick dude it's Thank fucking you. cool that you take all of those adversities and turn them into the perspective you've got to give back to other people. I like, like this that. podcast, this platform alone is a cool fucking thing, man. I, uh, I'd like to see you grow it and hopefully this shit takes a larger role in your life as time goes on. Hell yeah. This is time well spent. No matter what, I enjoy this. This is this like is amazing to me, but um, yeah. So like, I just like always put my story out there and I let these people know that I wanted to pursue skateboarding on like a professional level. And then my, my friends I met over the years got into positions where they could do that and support me. And like, it was so cool, you know, like I was able to live my dream and then that shit ends. Like recession happens, you get older. Like, I'm just like, it makes sense, but I just didn't want to let it go. So I just was like, well, I'll do all the work that my friends did for me for someone else, you know? And then I started a team and like, then I was like, we just need to build each other up, you know, like as skateboarders. Cause I, I see the intrinsic value in skateboarding and skateboarders as a lot of us do. Like for a long time we were, it was considered like a childish thing, but I'm like, no, this thing helped develop all of us. And we put so much energy and our life force into it. Like it's so it's worth more than money, you know, to a lot of us. A lot of people just look at us as grown men that are obsessed with playing with a toy until, like, maybe they give us the time of the day to have a conversation and they get more perspective about what we actually absorb and retain from our experience with it. Well, now, nowadays, I like it because, like, with the Internet, it seems like more people are able to show their life and how skating has helped them or created them or, like, they're somehow built it into their life and more people get it. And now we get to see that there's all different people that love skateboarding, like, at all different levels, you know? It's unbelievable. It's a trip to me how, like, even in just, like, regular marketing of products, how skateboarding is used as a way to sell products. It's where the and heartbeat is, man. Skateboarders have a heartbeat, so it's, like, they everybody wants that, you know? It's, like, skateboarders, is it's, it's so complex. It's just like corporate, it's core, it's like everything. Like everybody loves skateboarding. It's like the complete 
individual of humanity you know like it's proven it's like grandpa skateboard nowadays you know i'll be a grandpa skating one day you know like you skate dinosaur <laughs> yeah, just, uh. <laughs> skateboard makes interesting characters in uh pretty epic humans man I'm, I'm hyped that you're able to come back on the show and like do this man thank you Heck yeah appreciate it for sure get to share a piece of the journey means a lot thanks homie yeah no worries um before we go, just uh, whatever social media you're going to post your clips at and if you put your art up, just so people could check it out and I can check it out and I'll, I'll uh, promote it too. Um, on Instagram, you could find me at Andrew Softich. Um, it's A-N-D-R-E-A-U-S-O-P-T-I-C-H. And the same thing on Facebook. You just look my name up. I'm the only one you'll find with that spelling as far as I can tell. Nice. I'll put I'll put the those links in the description and I'll put to the YouTube channel uh, with your 10 minute part. That's epic, dude. People definitely have to check that out. Appreciate that. And, and if anybody else has time to check out any of those other video projects on that channel, I'd be super appreciative. That's all of my favorite stuff that I've had the chance to get a hold of over the past 15 years. Hell yeah. Time well spent. And I'm glad that you're putting it online somewhere. Um, Heck yeah. The last link I'll put is poorlifechoices.com. I <laughs> know. Uh, come on now. I don't want to that, get that one. <laughs> that one's hilarious. I'm definitely going to look at that one. Is it? Yeah, exciting? look at that. You'll probably get some <laughs> some great hour of entertainment out of that. Uh, in all sincerity, man. Thanks. For real. Heck yeah. Appreciate you, Anthony. Hope to talk to you in the future. And uh, stack them clips and stay positive, homie. Hell yeah. Hold, hold right, tight, okay? Hold tight. I want to make sure this time.